0: Welcome back to another episode on the Gridiron Prep Podcast. I'm your host, Caddy Exclusive, and today we are very excited and fortunate to listen and learn from one of the most seasoned O and D line trainers in the state of Illinois. Coach Kevin Sabo has a passion not only for the game of football, but also teaching. He began coaching at the age of 15. Coach played collegiate football at North Central College, and he also coached collegiate football. A coach. You're the owner and the chief operator of FIST Football Academy. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what the FIST acronym stands for and what what the academy aims to teach the players?
1: Yeah, so um, FIST stands for fraternity, intelligence, strength, and tenacity. Um, fraternity on mm-hmm. and off the field. Uh, you know, football, not only is it, it's, in my opinion, the greatest team game, but uh off the field there's so many different connections that you can make and it's it truly is a brotherhood when you know that somebody played football there's just a different bond with that person um so you know the fraternity aspect of football just it rings true not only in the game but outside of the game intelligence on and off the field mm-hmm. you have to be a smart player um when you're on the field you, you know there's no room for penalties you have to be able to you know dissect and problem solve in a split second yes. based off of blitz packages yeah. 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 or whatever you know and then off the field you have to be smart you have to keep your you know keep your keep your head on straight keep your nose out of trouble all that good stuff um strength mentally and physically that you know I've learned so many life lessons from the game of football and you talk to football players all across the nation and anybody that's played football even if it's for a year they may not have liked this sport but they took lessons away from the sport um so you know the intelligence off the field is just you know, A number one, and, and I tell my players, my, my linemen have to average a C-plus or they don't start for me. Um, if they have a D, oh, they I miss a quarter. <laughs> yeah. If they have a D, they miss a quarter, and if they have an F on, on their report card or on the eligibility report, they miss a full half um, because, you know, they're student athletes. Student comes first. Uh, there's one approximately one million high school football players in the nation, and only 60,000, 60% of those one million football players are going to go on to play college football at any level. So, you know, their grades are the most important to me. Like, you know, I love I love the game and I love the fact that kids want to compete and everything like that. But, you know, it, you're a student first and then the tenacity, you know, you tack anything tenaciously in life, you're going to be successful at it. So,
0: yeah, that's that's an excellent acronym. Now, I like, it, I like it even more
1: because like, <laughs> one, like you said,
0: football is it's the ultimate team sport and you're going to form that that brotherhood. Right. Fraternity. Perfect example. All those line up. Amazing. What you said, your players, obviously, they get a they get a day. They're sitting. They're sitting for a quarter. Yeah. What what high school do you coach at or what level? Who are you coaching? What's the name of your team?
1: I coach at uh, Burlington Central High School in Illinois. Uh, Burlington Central Rockets. We, you know, we uh, we're building a, a great culture over there. And I absolutely love it. I, I've kind of bounced around Illinois for a little while. I, I did two years at Fenton High School. I, I started my coaching career at North Central. My senior year, uh, they asked me if I wanted to coach uh, in the offseason after my junior year. And I was like, ah, you know what? Give me a couple weeks to think about it. And uh, I sat down with my mentor, one of my mentors. And I was like, hey, coach, what do you think about this? And he goes, I'm the one that came up with the idea. He goes, nobody knows that offensive playbook. <laughs> he goes, no He goes, no one knows that playbook like you do. He goes, you, you have played all five positions in your three years here and you've been relatively successful at them, you know, because I, I sat my junior year, I had knee surgery. Um, so in the essentially in two years, I played five positions. He goes, no one knows it like you do. And he goes, I'll be honest with you. I, I've seen your knee injury before, and I worry that it's going to happen again. So I, I would rather have you coach. Um, so I started at North Central, and then I did two years at Fenton High School. I did one year at Plainfield East, and uh, that was a great year for me. I, I made some really good connections there, and it's kind of cool for me because I've got one of my former players playing in the NFC championship game and he's playing for the Packers. And this is going to be the first time in my life where I'm rooting for the damn Packers. I never thought I would do that. But <laughs> I was like, Oh man, I was like, you're killing me. I, I gotta be a Packers fan now. <laughs> um, but then I went to Glenbard North for four years and then, uh, my best friend that he's actually co-owner of fist with me, um, you know, he, he recruited me away and I went to Hampshire High School for two years and he went for the head coaching job. And I was I was prepared. I was dug in at Hampshire. I was like, all right, cool. This is you know, this is where we're going to build our culture and this is where we're going to start, you know, changing things. Because when we got there, he, he had uh, he had been on the coaching staff for two years prior to me being there. And they were a playoff team the year before I got there. They ended up going six and four. And the culture was just a li- it, it was a little shaky. The head coach was trying to turn it around, but he needed help. And, uh, we had said like, all right, you know, we need to, we need to do a few things here. And our head coach ended up leaving. He got a, He got his dream job and Brian went for the head coaching position and didn't get it. And I was like, all right, well, you know, Burlington Central has been recruiting me for three years. I may as well go over there and see what they're about. And I, I brought Brian with me. So he's our offensive coordinator at Burlington Central. And, you know, I'm the old line coach. So it's, uh, it, it's fun, and man. I love it, it there.
0: A great, a great camaraderie and partnership that you guys got going there. And I just wanted to come back to what you said. Like for our listeners, for all our young players, you played, you're playing college two years, you got hurt. And Mm -hmm. as a junior, you're junior year in college, you got a job offer. And, you know, that's that's amazing. People work, you know, 10, 15 years. (laughs) It
1: was really cool. And, you know, obviously they were like, because you're a student, we're not going to be able to pay you. Right. They're like, we're not going to be able to pay you a salary position. They're like, but we'll pay you hourly for the stuff outside of practice. I was like, all right. So I, you know, it was minimum, it was minimum wage for the, you know, for the time I was putting in and and you know, looking at all the recruiting film and things like that, which was really cool. Like it, it was an experience for me. And the way that it, the way that it was put to me, and I'll never forget this because I say I sat down with multiple coaches about it. I sat down with our offensive line coach. He's the one that suggested it to me. I sat down with my mentor. He's the one that came up with the idea. And then I sat down with our head coach and all three of them said the same thing. They said, you're never going to play in the NFL. You're five, 10, 250 pounds at best. You're never going to play in the NFL. Hard
0: truths. Hard truths. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> and I knew that I was playing
1: division three football because I love the game. You know what I mean? They, you know, they said, we're, we're, you're going to go professional in coaching. They're like, even if you're at the high school level, you're getting paid to coach. You're, you're a professional at that point. And they said, why don't you start now? They're like, what better thing to put on your resume than being, being a, an offensive line coach at a nationally ranked college? So it was a really, really cool experience for me. And, and you know, I got to see kind of the, the back, you know, the backside of, of, of college football coaching and, and being in the office and listening to the coaches talk and evaluate practice and look at, you know, recruiting film and look at the recruiting letters and see what's being sent out. It was, it was a really cool experience for me.
0: So how long has your training academy been open and what, what led you to start fist academy?
1: Um, so we, uh, we started in 2011. I want to say, I want to say it was 2011. I'd have to go and look. It was either 2010 or 2011. I think it was 2011.
0: All right. So almost Uh, going on 10 years.
1: Almost. Yeah. It was, it, it was kind of one of those things where I've, I've noticed at the time a lot of a lot of receiver work was being done, and there were a few quarterback academies that were opened up around me. And my buddy and I, Brian, the guy the guy I coached with, Brian and I were like, you know, there's nothing for linemen. There's nothing
0: for linemen. Oh man, and that's the whole reason we were so fortunate to find and reach out to you is because, like you just said, there is nothing out there for linemen really. So, and they're the most they're the most important position.
1: Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it because you're right um so yeah i mean there was really nothing for linemen and, and we had had this idea in college because we went to we we went to the university of iowa camp together uh when we were seniors in high school and it, it for for us it was a fun camp it was a lot of it was a blast it was a four-day camp uh one day with special teams and then uh the other three days were you know just regular skill skills and drills and stuff like that so it was, it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun but it pretty much was like, hey, let's get everybody that we're looking at to come to this camp. And then we're also going to have other people there. But you could tell who they who they really wanted to look at. I was sitting next to, I'll never forget this. So I was 200, I was like 225, 230 going into my senior year. And uh, <laughs> I'm sitting next to this kid and he's towering <laughs> over me. And I looked at him like, what's up, man? We started a conversation like, so where are you from? He's like, he goes, I'm from Iowa. And I said, oh, okay. So what year are you? He goes, I'm a sophomore. I go, Jesus, you're a sophomore. He goes, yeah. (laughs) I said, how freaking tall are you? He goes, I'm 6'6", 290. I'm like, as a sophomore. He goes, yeah. Wow. Oh my God. So, um, you know, kind of it start, it started a little bit when we got into college and we started talking about it and how we wanted to make affordable camps. An affordable training for linemen. Because if there was anything out there for linemen, it was super expensive. So it, it's funny because, you know, you go back and, and you look at um, offensive line performance with the Charles Bentley. He started in 09. You know, that's when he started to have his first session 2009 oh, 2009. And, um, you know, we actually, it's funny because we started right around the same time. Um, but, like, he, he had the same idea. It, there was not a lot of stuff out there for linemen. And, uh, you know, he started training with, I think his book said, three youth league kids was his first session. And that's exactly what mine was. So my first session, um, I put on a, a high school camp. It was 30 bucks a kid. And it was a, a three-day camp. And I had 10 kids show up. And that was my first camp. And then the second camp I ran was a few months later. And it was supposed to be a youth league camp. And uh it was, I, I had three kids show up. And that was it. I was pretty discouraged, but it, you know, we just kept plugging.
0: Hey, persistence! Got to be persistent. In yeah, whatever for sure, you do. man. And obviously, now you started with you know ten kids, and now you've been doing it for almost a decade. It's
1: so, crazy, man. What, when you put when you put it like that, it's it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's mind blowing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what? What? So what are you guys' rates? So what do you charge? What are your training packages? Let us know. You, you're affordable, so you know. Tell yeah, the people about you
1: Yeah. So um, we go. Uh, An individual, we go about an hour, right? Because you don't want to go too long. You don't want to go too Mm -hmm. short. So we go an hour, maybe a little bit over if I have, you know, if I have a little bit of a gap between sessions or whatever. Uh, We'll go 50 for an individual session. Um, And then small group or semi-private, you know, I call them, is up to four kids, and that's $30 an hour uh, per kid. And then our large group sessions, which are five plus, are $20 an hour per kid. So you know, you look at some of these quarterback trainers um that are around the nation. There's one guy that I, I work with and I personally trust. I send my quarterbacks to him. The guy's the best in the nation, next level athletics. I love him. He's great. His name's Greg Holcomb, athletics. and and he keeps himself relatively affordable as well. But there are dudes that are in Illinois that they're they're large group sessions. They're charging eighty bucks a kid, and they have eighty kids at at this group session. And Greg, I mean, yes.
0: And I don't I don't know too much about football training. So we're learning. Yes. But I know in the basketball realm, there's trainers out there who are stealing money from these parents. And like, oh, dude. just because they see it's them crazy. doing stuff on social media, it looks good. But right. it's not going to translate to in game success. Like, so <laughs> exactly. you're doing things that aren't going to help you. So, well, that's that's like, one
1: thing that, you know, I, I really, you know, I really hammer on is everything we do translates to on field. You know, and you have you have competition teams right now that you know they're doing med ball tosses and tire flips and stuff like that, and it's great. It's a competition. I totally get it. Um, But you have to be able to mix in that on field training, and and you know that's one of those things where we really we really really you know strive to to excel Mm -hmm. is make sure that what we do. I I don't I don't use filler. I don't have any filler activities. Everything I do translates to on field. Right. And there are a lot of people that have filler activities, or you know, they're doing you know, speed ladders and hurdles and stuff for linemen, and they don't need that. What they need is they need yep. technique-driven, one hundred percent field translating training, because a lot of high school kids, and I'm not saying all, because you know, you've got you've got your Division One athletes and you've got your Division Two athletes, and those kids that they may not be the absolute, you know. It may not be the absolute best at their position, but they have good technique that they're okay. They can translate stuff to on field, but you also have these kids that are going to these trainers and, and they're um, they're getting hit with filler and they they get up on their yep. toes or, you know, their base narrows or, you know, they're they're like stepping over hurdles when they run because that's what they've been trained to do. Um, so, yeah, we focus to make sure that everything we do is on field translatable because that that's what they need.
0: Excellent. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the brotherhood? You spoke about it within yeah. the fist acronym, the fraternity, but the brotherhood type bond that comes along with playing the offensive line.
1: All right. So, uh, a little personal anecdote about that. Uh, you know, I played O line my entire life, and the people that stood up in my wedding all played offensive line with me. That's how. That's how close. We <laughs> that's, we, that's how close. That
0: was. is awesome.
1: Um, you know, my best friend Brian. He, we both played center. Uh, our entire lives together. And then finally I got, um, you know, I got moved out to guard and and we got to play together. Um, My brother played old line and then uh, got moved over to tight end when we were in college. Uh, We played one year together and then he got moved to like fullback. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, every, every person I played, I played offensive line with. So it was just one of those things with the exception of one, I had one, one DB in there,
0: (laughs) but uh, (laughs) but, uh,
1: you know, it was just, it was one of those things that you spend so much time together. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. I sure do. You know, you're in the film room, you're going out to eat, you're lifting because we were grouped by position groups when we lifted. So we linemen lifted with linemen and, 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 it was. It just you spend so much time together that you just form that bond and it's unbreakable. I mean, you know, my best friend and I we had a fight and and we didn't talk for a couple of months and you know now we talk every day. I have to see his ugly face almost every day because of football. But you know, it's it's just like I said, man. It's just it happens naturally and it's one of those things that just it doesn't get broken. Like I still yeah. I still talk to a lot of the guys that I played college football with. I still talk to a lot of the guys that I played. High school football with is, and, and the ones that I talked to the most were on the O line with me. And it's just one of those things where you have to rely on each other so much. And that's the offensive line is, is a position in, in sports that is just, it's not like any other position because, mm-hmm. you know, D line, one guy can screw up and you're still okay. Yeah. Oh, you know, receiver, yes. it's an individual, it, it's a, in, mm-hmm. you, you have to do your own job. And yeah, you have to know what the other guys are doing, but your performance is solely based on what you do. And what, and what the quarterback does, but with the offensive line, if five dudes don't work together, every single play, you have a breakdown and that breakdown can be catastrophic. It could lead to a turnover. It could lead to a sack. Most importantly, it could lead to an injury. And and that's, you know, I've seen that in my, in my coaching career. I had a kid that I I coached at North central, you know, we were running a trap play. This dude that didn't know what he was doing. And and I knew he didn't know what he was doing, but I was told to, to get him in the, in the game. Uh, he was out there and and wound up um he he stayed on the guy that we were trapped, and so my guard had to turn yeah. and pull up in the hole and he ended up breaking his his fifth uh fifth metatarsal, and he's had six surgeries on it, so wow. you know, you know you just you have to you have to make sure that that bond is there, and you guys know what each other is thinking and and you're a cohesive unit because if you're not, then it's just you're not yeah. going to
0: be successful. Yes. It's literally the only position that gets critiqued as a whole. So like right. you said, a D lineman can mess up and they still, you know, still be okay. O line, right tackle keeps getting beat. You guys look terrible. It? It's the O line. It's the line that cost them the game. That's what the, the media and the fans exactly. are saying. It's the line. The line is terrible. Right. <laughs> and the guy had a bad day, but so yeah. leading my next session, what would you, what would you say to a young player who loves football and may have the size to play on the line, but his heart is set on, you know, the skill position. The position against um, the glory. What, what would you say to him?
1: Uh, see, that's a tough one, man. Because I like, I, I've I've addressed that question so many times, and and it it mm-hmm. turns out in so many different ways with different players. You know, I I tell kids that, that, hey, you know, you have the opportunity right now to move down and and potentially start, like especially if it's a bi- like if it's a bigger kid and he's athletic. That's what I look for, man. I look for I I look for big athletes. I love having big athletes on the line. You know, I'll, I'll take right. a kid. I'll take a kid that's six. You know, six two two fifty over a kid that's six six three hundred. If that six two two fifty can move, you know, it's it's one of those things where the the thing that I I preach the most and, and I I hit on on the topic of the bond is just you know the guys that I played offensive line with are still my best friends today. You know, being an offensive lineman, you won't necessarily get the glory that the other guys get, but if you're running back and your quarterback and your receivers are smart, they're going to credit you with every touchdown they get because without you, it doesn't yep. happen. Yes. Um, so no the,
0: line, no shine.
1: <laughs> exactly, man. That's exactly right. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I touch on that bond first. And then the, the next thing I touch on is, you know, depending on size, you know, I, I had a kid that was uh six four, two sixty Wanted to play tight end. He just wasn't fast enough to play tight end. But he like for high school basketball, he was a monster in the low post. He had great <laughs> footwork. And I told him, I was like, at six four, two sixty, and he was a junior at the time, I was like, if you play offensive line and you put your heart into it and you give it one hundred percent, you're going to get division one offers. I said, At six four, two sixty, you're probably not going to get very many offers to play basketball, dude. And uh, he was like, well, you know, LeBron James is 270. So LeBron James is 6'8", 270, and they still you're say right. he's too big. Like, <laughs> he's got you by four inches. And I said, his 270 is not quite as fluffy as your 260, man. So, you know, he came down and he played, he played O line for me and loved it. And, uh, he didn't get any offers though. He, he was a little too late when he came down, but he, he was so dead set on, on playing tight end. I-, I just told him, I'm like, dude, like, you're not I mean, fast and enough. That's- and that's. I- I-
0: and that's a sign of a quality coach for you to, you know, sit down and keep it real with him, but also not just straight up bash him to where right. he's well, not even now. Now he, you know, he's putting right. you off. Like, coach, he just, yeah. he's hating on me. So right. that's that's the great quality in a coach.
1: I just, my biggest thing with that is, I you know, I run into these coaches that, and you see it on Twitter, man. They literally, literally make fun of kids. I don't understand it, man. It, it's one of those things that I I... When I see it, I just shake my head and I close my eyes because like I can't, I can't fathom wanting to make fun of a kid, especially on a public forum. Like I, it just blows my mind when people do that. So like you have these, you, you'll have these coaches that even to their own kids, they're like, "Nope, you're too fat to play this, or you're too fat to play that," and and that's not the way to go about it. You don't tell exactly. his kid that he's bad. You know what I mean? You want to you want to you build up his attributes that make him a successful lineman, mm-hmm. whether it's offensively or defensively, and and too many coaches, they they focus on the negatives of what that kid can't yep. do as opposed to what they can do.
0: So starting from the center, of the, the interior of the defensive line, can you tell us mm-hmm. what the primary role of the D-tackle and what are the main responsibilities of the rest of the D-line positions?
1: Um Yeah, sure. So, you know, you're looking at nose and D-tackle, and, and largely they have the same the same responsibility, and, and that's gap responsibility. Okay. Um, you know, in our defense, and it also depends on defensive scheme too. Our defense – we basically wanted our guys to get hands on the offensive linemen and occupy the O-line so much that our our linebackers were able to run free. That was our big thing. We're like, hey, nope. you may not get the glory. You may get the glory. If they run to your gap, you're great. That's solid. But you, we want you to absolutely beat the hell out of the offensive line and keep our linebackers free to make tack. Um But realistically, I mean, D-line's first responsibility is, is hold your gap Make sure it's not a run play. If it's a run play, pursue flat down the line, keeping your shoulders square to prevent cutback. And then, you know, obviously if it's a third and long situation, it, it's get home. You know, you want to get that sack. But, you know, the biggest thing that they, that they need to do and that, you know, the linemen need to maintain is, is that gap integrity. Gap integrity is first. And even when you go with, yeah, gap integrity, man, every defense needs to be gap sound. If your defense isn't right. gap sound, you're going to get absolutely destroyed. You know, gap integrity is is a number one with D line, and then staying in your rush lanes. If you're able to stay within your rush lanes, and you know it's a passing down, that quarterback's not going to have anywhere to go. You know, if he if the D ends are staying outside and they don't duck inside and lose contain, they're going to push him up into the pocket right into the right into the D tackle. So, yep. um, you know, as long as you stay you stay within your rush lanes and, and stay gap sound as a defensive lineman, you're going to have a pretty successful career.
0: All right, now switching to the other side of the ball, are there different styles or types of blocking techniques that players use to hold off defenders?
1: Tackles, tackles obviously have a, a little bit different um, style of play than your interior linemen. Usually, your interior linemen, they have to be those athletic maulers where you know you you get to your get you get you get to need a, I always preach need a crotch relationship. If you get need a crotch relationship and maintain that inside leverage on the lineman. You're going to be in a good position to where it keeps the pocket clean, so you get need a crotch, keep your feet moving, you want to make sure that you're striking in a balanced position and you're set whereas tackles they have they have a lot more space to deal with, and with the exception of a few D tackles that are in the league, mostly your defensive ends are going to be the ones that are being your your outside rush, and they're going to be the better athletes. so tackles not only have to work with more space but they also have to work with more athleticism. So your tackles right. are going to be your your better, quote-unquote, quote, unquote, better athletes. But what a lot of people don't realize, and this is why it's especially, you know, at the high school level it's a little different, um, and you're able to move guys around a hell of a lot easier and a lot more. But once you get into the college and, and the pro ranks, the, the movement patterns for the position is totally different between interior line and, and tackle. And even, I mean, even guard and center you know, uh, the movement patterns are slightly different. So when you, the biggest thing there, it's, it's not necessarily different blocking techniques because it's a lot of the same technique for me, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's weight, weight balanced, adductors engaged to where knees are slightly inside the ankles, driving through your instep, putting force through the ground, you know, hands are, hands are up and on the, on the defender, elbows are torqued in. So it's a, it's a lot of the same technique but it's just different movement patterns. Everybody's using, right. you know, um I, I and I'm going to I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Uh I, it's called the drive catch method and offensive line performance really that that's their big thing and you know, it it's it essentially describes movement in it, it describes the movement that you're doing because you're driving off of one foot and you're catching yourself on another, preparing yourself to drive off the foot you just caught on. And that's a okay. that's a big I think I understand. Um, that. Yeah, so like I mean, if you think about it, it, drive catch is the is the basis for any movement ever. Like right. if you're yeah. if you're walking, you know, you're putting you're putting force through the ground to walk. You have to push down through the ground and push the ground away from your body in order for you to move in the direction you want to go, yep. right? So if we're walking and you're you're just walking normally and you want to turn right, you're gonna push off of your right foot to go left. If you think about yep. Barry, if you watch Let's Barry it. Sanders, it right. If you watch Barry (laughs) Sanders and you watch Barry Sanders make a cut, very rarely will he ever cut off of his inside foot. He plants both feet in the ground and he pushes off of that opposite foot in the direction he wants to go. Baseball, you're driving through the ball and you're, you know, you're driving, you're driving your hips through and you're hitting the ball. And it's everything is driving and putting force through the ground, a throw, you're putting force through the ground. It's literally, it's, it's every basic movement pattern that we have. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's crazy because like my, my offensive line coach in college taught it to me, but there was no, I mean, he used the old verbiage of kick slide and a kick slide is a totally different movement. Same principle, but it's a different movement. If I'm, if I'm using a kick slide, I'm kicking my leg back and I'm dragging my front foot as opposed to pressing off of my inside foot to get to the outside, you know, to get, Need a cross relationship on an outside defender. Um, so, like I said, it, it's all the same basic biomechanically sound movement patterns, but the te- and the techniques are, are are the same, but it's just different aiming points and there's just slight intricacies yep. that change within the positions. And and you know that's one of the things that that um, I, I like. I I pride myself on this. Yeah, I love teaching the intricacy of the game. I love teaching the counters, yes, the pass, great words, great vocab. I, like, I, it's just there's there's so many different nuances and, and things like that, and that's what I love about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, going going into it, the the tech, the blocking techniques, they really don't change as much. Um, aiming points on blocks change, but it, the technique really remains the same. Uh, I would say the only different like technique that I teach. Realistically, I I do everything with hands, but the only two times that I I let kids use their shoulders and their forearms and stuff are with trap blocks. And, uh, it's called the high leg technique, but it's when you're, when you're using the double team or a combo block, basically both, um, both offensive linemen have their inside leg up. It's called the high leg or the gallop. It's interchangeable, but they basically, they put their, their shoulder and their forearm into the defender. Their eyes are up looking at the linebacker for whoever has to pop off. And they basically gallop, and the defend the the combo block the double is with their their inside shoulder inside leg is high, and they push the dude back um that those are really the only times that I really vary blocking techniques, but like like I said it's all it's all based in the same biomechanical movement
0: now can you tell us about the defense alignment what techniques they use to get into the backfield like I know oh jeez. Dwight Freeney, he was, he was nasty with the spin move, and that's one of my favorite yeah. moves. Are there anything else that somebody, you know, the average Joe watching the game on Sundays or Saturdays, what are they not paying attention to? What, what are the D-line doing that we might not notice?
1: So if you watch a great defensive lineman, the one thing that you'll notice, and most people don't see it because it's very, it's very quick, but when they hit their move, they flip their hips. They will push their outside hip, towards the quarterback and they will flip their hips and they'll get skinny as they're getting through the rush lane um you know we were talking about dwight freeney dwight freeney when he would come off the edge he would he would really dip and rip that shoulder and he would set that tackle up because the tackle's going to overset him and that's when he would hit the spin but if you watch guys you know you dwight freeney bruce smith um you watch aaron donald you watch yeah. Von miller of his Doomerville back in the day. You watch all of those guys. The one thing that they do, and they do it a lot, is when they, it, you know, if they're using a, a, you know, I call it a stab move, but mo- most people call it a swim. Um, if they're using that swim move, they have to flip their hips and they have to get skinny. If they're using a club rip, they have to flip their hips and they have to get skinny and they have to dip down through that hole. So it's all about taking surface area away for a defensive lineman. And I tell it, I say this to my defensive lineman all the time. If you take away surface area from an offensive lineman, where they to where they can't hit you, they can't strike you. You have taken their soul. They need to be able to put hands on you in order to block you. And if you take away that surface area and make it more difficult, well, now at that point it's going to be, you know, that much more difficult for them. And you have you have put yourself in a better position. Then what you have to realize is after they flip their hips and they get through, they have to get back square to that that line of scrimmage. So it, it's mm-hmm. a their hips, it, man, that's the one, it, like, it's so subtle, but it makes all the difference in the world. And, and when those guys get home, that's when it really happens. I mean, you watch Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack, when he uses a different move, cause he's, uh, Khalil Mack loves the, the long arm technique where he just, he puts that hand in the chest and he uses leverage. You know, he loves using that long arm technique. But, um, the, the thing with him is, I mean, he's still, when he's long arming, he still has his shoulders and his hips flipped away from that offensive lineman. So it's a lot more difficult for them to recover.
0: So mm. that for me, yeah. that's the yeah.
1: biggest thing yeah. that most people don't notice. You know, you look at Aaron Donald, he uses the chop rip and he's very, very good at it. That, that like, I love Aaron Donald's chop rip. You look at Akeem Hicks from the Bears, he uses the forklift technique oh, where he'll yes.
0: invite. I love, Yo, I'm glad technique. you brought yeah. him up. <laughs> he'll Man, he'll invite good.
1: that offensive lineman to his chest and then he'll take, he'll take his hands. And he goes right underneath the elbow and he'll lift the offensive lineman's hands up and then he'll hit a move off of it. I mean, you know, there's so many different techniques out there for D linemen to use. But the biggest thing that, that, um, you know, they really have to focus on is, is being able to flip their hips and, and get skinny. Cause if you, if you rush at a lineman square and you stay square the whole time. It, you know, it, it's it's a lot more difficult for you. And there are some dudes where, that, like, that's just what they do. Like, they, they eat up double teams. You know, they'll, they'll run into two guys square, and it leaves something open for a blitzing linebacker. And that's another thing. You know, people look at, you know, uh, a D lineman that's just sitting there getting eaten up by a double team, and, it's, and they're like, oh, well, he's not doing anything. Dude, you just had an outside linebacker take B gap with nobody blocking him because that D tackle was eating up a double team, uh, a double team between the tackle and the guard. So you can't say that he's not doing anything because right. he is, you know, the detail, Oh, D tackles getting double teamed by the center and the guard. He's just standing there. Yeah. But what you're missing is that inside linebacker that just blitzed right off of his butt. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. So there's,
1: there's a lot of different techniques and, and there's a lot of different thought processes that go into, you know, pass rushing and making sure that, um, you know, you are doing the job that you're supposed to do and, and you know, it's one, one of the things that, that was preached to, to me and everybody that played at North Central for a few years was do your 111. If you do your, your one eleventh, right, there's 11 players on the field. Yeah. If Ooh. you do your 111, yeah. I like I, to, yeah, i are going to write that
0: down. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was okay.
1: do your one eleventh, man. If you do your one eleventh and you worry about what you have to do, and trust that your brothers are going to get their job done, you got nothing to worry about. And you guys are going to be successful as a team. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing on the D-line. If you do what you have to do and you don't try and overcompensate for anybody else on the D-line and you do your job, you do it to the best of your ability, you're going to be successful. So that whole, you know, it's it's don't worry about everybody else. Just worry about what you got to do and, and trust that they're going to get it done. And, and, you know, D-linemen are especially the, the elite D-linemen are very, very good at that. They don't overcompensate. And, you know, when they get home and they get that sack, that's because they did their job and they did exactly what they were supposed to do when they were supposed to do it.
0: What attributes would you say you make a quality D lineman? And then the same for offensive linemen. Like if you see a kid or, you know, athlete trying out, like, all right, that's what I'm looking for. Or I can see why or how I can make this guy a great D or O lineman.
1: Let's see. So D line, you know, D line, everyone says, oh, you know, D linemen are better athletes and this, that, and the next thing. and. (laughs) <laughs> I, I say to, I, well, it, and in, in a lot of cases, it's true. I mean, when you look at Chase Young from Ohio state and you know, when you, when you started off the podcast, I heard the V, so I know yes, you're an sir. Ohio state fan. <laughs> uh You look at, you look at Chase Young, man. He's what? 6'5", 265? Yep, and he's he can move. And he's ripped <laughs> man. And he, and he can move. He can rush. I, you know, I would look at him. Hell yeah. You're, you're going to, you're going to play rush end for me. You know what I mean? I'm, Right. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, for D-line, it's explosiveness off the ball for me. If you can explode off the Explosive. ball and, and keep control of your body, that's a, that's a huge one. And, and it translates to both sides of the ball. You have to be able to control your body and control your movement. But if you can control your body and still maintain that explosion and still be able to hold your gap and, and you know, right. settle at a yard if it's a run play, you know, it, that explosion and that body control, that's what I really look for out of D-line. I look for loose hips, um, making sure that they're able to move their hips and and flip them and not have to, uh, you know, labor at it. You know, there are a lot of guys that they get so tight-hipped in high school, and that's a big thing for me, yeah, offensively and defensively, um, you know, is having loose hips. If you have loose hips, it makes everything else so much easier. You know, you think about a guy that has tight hips. Well, why are your hips so tight? Because you're lifting a lot. Well, and that's great, but when you have that tension, and that that um stiffness, it's because your your muscles are working against one another. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you if you have that tension and, and it's gonna just be more labor intensive for you to be able to move. So, you know, having loose hips is huge. I always make a joke because uh I'm more O line based. Uh right. because I played O I played O line for thirteen years. You know, so I I always like to poke fun at my defensive linemen and I say, you know, oh, I, I love it, man. I love doing it, but I, I always say, like, D-line, it's a joke. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying it's a joke because one of my, one of my D-linemen, the kid that's playing on the Packers graduated from Northwestern in four years and he, he graduated with a very, very good GPA. So I'll, again, this is a joke, but I would say <laughs> D-linemen are dumb because their, their only responsibility is see ball, get ball. But yeah. realistically, <laughs> I, and it's like I said, it's a joke. I love, I love poking fun at him. But, but realistically, um, I, you know, I like the kids. The, the, I love intelligent kids. And, and I love having kids, intelligent kids on the D line because, you know, between offensive and defensive line, it's 100% a chess match. It is. It is a chess match. Yeah. So, um, you know, having, having intelligent kids and being able to see them process through everything is fun. Um, so having intelligent defensive linemen is great. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there's, the, those are my top three. I would say explosiveness with body control, intelligence, mm-hmm. and having loose hips. Yeah, you know, I, I can develop other techniques from those three things, but having those three things is, is a, a lot nighting, of fun to, yeah. to be able to take and mold. You know what I mean? And then so offensive you line. Say, wise, okay.
0: Yeah. Go ahead for offensive. I,
1: yeah. Offensive line wise, I, you know, it's, it's, you know, same thing. Intelligence. I, I love having intelligent offensive linemen. Um, I was talking with a couple of guys that played in the league and, you know, they they did the wonderland test um, as a, just kind of an intelligence thing. The top two positions were quarterback and offensive line. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to have those guys that, that if I, if, if I can teach them a concept, I, I can go over and not necessarily go in depth with, but I can go over the adjustments to what I just taught and they automatically pick up on it. That's a lot of fun for me. And I absolutely love doing that. So that intelligence factor is great footwork and understanding the, the uh, importance of, of footwork. You know, a lot of high school kids pass set and their pass protection, a lot of the time they'll take two or three sets and then they just lean on a guy. They get beat because of it. And they don't realize that pass pro and I mean, you're a basketball player pass pro largely is all footwork. It's just like defense and basketball. It's all footwork. Mm -hmm. It's being able to get to your spot before the other guy does. You know, in a lot of cases, it's having that great footwork, using that great footwork, and then making that defensive lineman commit. If you can be patient, and that's another thing I look for, I look for patient hands. If you can be patient and make that defensive lineman commit first, well, now you know exactly what you're going for and exactly what you're going to get and what move to counter and things like that. So you want to create separation off the ball with that set using great footwork, great drive, loose hips intelligence and patient hands are those are like the top four for me and and some of your you know, answers
0: it just it just leads me into the next question which I kind of <laughs> already got an idea of so would you rather have a D lineman with great hands or one with great feet why and then same with the offense would you prefer the hands or the feet obviously oh, they go man, hand that's, in that's hand but, you know it's yeah, a tough yeah exactly tough.
1: I, <laughs> so I would say for D lineman I want him to be able to hand fight Um, you know footwork footwork on the d-line is is pretty straightforward you know there's not a whole lot to it once you get into the intricacy there is but the basic gist of of d-line especially when you get into the high school ranks the basic gist of d-line is pretty simple footwork wise but what a lot of kids lack is the ability to know what technique to use when they're hand fighting and and what to you know how to swipe hands away and yeah, you know, I see that being I, a problem. So many so many times I have D line would come off the field and like, coach, he's holding me. I'm like, did you knock his hands off? Like, well, no. <laughs> Why not? Like go right. go right at, go right <laughs> at the elbow. Like knock knock the hands away. You know, oh well, he's he's holding me up by my shoulder pads. Then use the forklift technique. Come up underneath on his elbows, and his hands are gonna pop off, I promise you. You know, there's there's just it's those differences. Um the, the just that that slight difference. So D line. If a kid's got great hands and he's, you know, he's quick with his hands, um, he can get hands on, he can get separation, he can knock hands away. For me, that's huge on the D line because not a lot of high school D linemen are able to do that proficiently. So if a, if I have a guy that I see that can do that proficiently, I could teach him everything else. Um, and conversely with offensive line, I would say great footwork because most offensive, oh man, I would say great <laughs> footwork. <laughs> Because I started to think about it, and I'm like, great footwork, and then you can use it. So, you know, you have again for pass pro, you have to be able to get to your spot. That's the biggest thing. Get to your spot, explode out of your stance violently, under control, and and you know, be able to, um, to use that great footwork and whatnot. But um, and th- and then I can teach hands. You know, it's easier for me to teach hands on the offensive line than it is on the defensive line because the defensive line is very, um, very reactionary. Whereas the offensive line, and you know, I always say like, Oh, you know, we're always reactionary to what the D line is doing, which is true to an extent, but you always have the same aiming point with your hands, uh, based off of the play call. So like if, if I've got, you know, if I've got a play where I have my right tackle reaching a defensive end because we're running jet sweep. Well, his aiming point is via the neck with his backside hand, and his frontside hand is going to the playside number or the playside shoulder. So I can teach that. That that that's not going to change, unless that defender changes the alignment. You know what I mean? If he's, but even then, it's still you know backs. It's backside hand to the via the neck, playside hand to shoulder, and now it's just a change of the footwork. So for offensive line, I would say great feet. If a kid has great footwork and he he's able to put that force through the ground. And, and he's able to determine how much force to put through the ground based off of the defender's alignment. That's perfect mm-hmm. for me. And I can take that and I can work with it and run with it. You know, I, I, w- I was very, very fortunate coming into, uh, the, the team that I, that I coach for now because I had some pretty decent linemen that had pretty, pretty darn good feet. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, to be able to take that and then teach technique. You know, I, I've got a, I had a sophomore start for me last year at 5'9", 205, and, and he started at left guard because wow. his footwork was phenomenal. I mean, he played well, and we put, so we play in one of the toughest conferences in Illinois, Um and and we've got some, some big, big D linemen, Fox Valley Conference. Yeah, it's, uh they have, uh, so we have Cary Grove won the state championship in 2018, Prairie Ridge won the state championship in 2016 and 2017, and then lost to Cary Grove in 2018 in the Powers. semifinals. And then Prairie Ridge went back this year and lost to East St. Louis. And I, I still maintain that if, if Prairie Ridge was healthy, it would have been a, a lot better of a game because they were down their, their stud, fullback, and middle linebacker. And that kid, um, I mean, he's go, he's going to go Division One. His his brother is uh, Samson Evans. He plays at Iowa now. Um, right. But uh, if they were healthy, I think it would have been a lot better of a game because it, it was 14-13 at half with East St. Louis up, and they were down two starters. So I think those right. two starters yep. who are difference makers were in that game. It would have been a lot more. It, it was fun to watch. It would have been a lot more fun to watch. Um, so we, we play in that conference. Then there's Huntley and Huntley usually, uh, they're, they're usually a quarterfinal team, but we usually have five teams out of our conference in the playoffs every year.
0: Wow. So, so you're playing you know, stiff competition me, every night.
1: Oh yeah. Every Friday, man. There's, there's one or two teams. And even then, like the, the, the quote unquote bad teams in the conference. They, they still are able to squeak out a couple of very surprising wins. Man. Um, cause when because you're playing that tough personal.
0: competition, yeah, it's going to make you better yeah, regardless. It, you don't have a choice. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I yeah, mean, it, it was, it, it was great coming into that because I, you know, I had, I had linemen with good feet and then I was able to take, uh, Matt and I, you know, I had two sophomores starting at one point. Um, and, and they both, you know, they both rose to the occasion pretty well. Um, I, I felt, I felt a little bit bad because. Uh, my one my one sophomore, I had him at tackle against Huntley, and he was going up against their <laughs> Division one defensive end, and I was like, dude, I'm sorry, I'm throwing you to the wolves here, <laughs> but um, it was good for him because it really helped him develop, and now he's going to be able to, he's probably going to start for me, uh, wow. on the interior line. But I mean, those two guys, man, they, they had they both had pretty good feet, and I was able to develop the rest, and so I as offensive line, man, I I'll take great feet every single day. So what? So let me ask you. Are there all, mm-hmm. there are all
0: types of, you know, different offensive systems that showcase skill positions? You know, you got the air raid, the spread and all that stuff, triple option. Right. Are there any schemes out there that highlight a talented offensive line unit?
1: All of them. <laughs> For me, so, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know how closely you follow the, the Twitter wars between spread guys and, and wing guys, but. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they it's, it's kind of, it's, it's fun to just kind of talk to those guys. Cause there are some dudes that that are in the wing community and we call it, it's funny because we call it like the spread guys will call it the wing community and the wing guys call it the spread community. Me personally, I like, I have no dog in the fight, but you know, both systems have, have been seen to be very, very successful. And, uh, but I, you know, I look at, I look at the wing, the wing offense and it, it showcases athleticism you know because there's a lot of pulling and trapping there's a lot of pulling up to linebackers you got buck sweep or two guards are pulling out to you know defensive backs so there's a lot of a lot of pulling in the wing um but you know we we run spread at the high school i'm at and, and you know we run zone read we run gt counter we run power we run read okay. there's a lot of different things So there's a lot of some run blocking in that too. spread yeah Oh oh man we pounded <laughs> the ball this year we were we were probably 65 35 run to pass we averaged 6 yards per carry um you know it, we we pounded the ball in our offense at one point we had 3 of the top 10 leading rushers in our area on uh you know on our team and right. uh, I, it was awesome man we had our running back held the top spot up until about week 8 um we had a mm-hmm. we you know, they classify him now as athletes, but we, we, had this kid at, we had this kid at receiver. We had him at running back. We had him at quarterback, and he was uh, – at one point they were one and two, and then our, our actual quarterback was, like, number six in, in the area and rushing for about six weeks. So it was a lot of fun, man. And it, so I would say offensive system-wise, and then you look at the air raid and the running gun and the go-go offense and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and, you know, it's a lot of passing and screens and stuff. So that showcases athleticism too. Um, you know, I, I'm a little biased when I talk about O line and D line and stuff like that, but the, yeah. you can, you can find, you can find the showcase in every, every system. You know, it's just a matter of what you're looking at. Are you looking for, you know, are you looking for those, those guys that are pulling and getting up to linebacker? Are you looking for the guys that are, you know, adjusting to a defensive lineman stunt in a zone? Are you looking for, you know, that tackle that's wrapping up to a linebacker and a GT counter. So there's a lot of different things that can showcase um, offensive line talent within a scheme. So for me, you know, that's why I said, I'm like, oh, all of them? All of them, yeah. um, And you backed up your answer, I understand. Right, exactly. So for me, it's tough just because, and and, you know, that's what I look at when I watch pro football. When I watch pro football, I'm looking at the offensive line. When I watch college football, I'm looking at the offensive line you know, people be like, Oh my God, did you see that juke. I was like, do you see that block? You know, so It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I, I find that nuance and I look at those nuances and I'm just amazed by the things that, that, you know, are showcased in various schemes. So
0: what, what defensive formation in your opinion would, would you say works best for a team with a strong D line with a strong front forward?
1: Oh man. Um, that's tough because I, I love the four three and I love the three four. You know, they both they both showcase something a little bit different. You know, if you've got a if you've got a big D tackle that can take double teams and you can run that three four, and you've got a strong side tackle that you know he's a good run stopper and a good athlete, then you got that backside rush. That three so four a, can be a three dead. four would be
0: yeah with a with a big three strong down, D tackle, lineman,
1: yeah, big strong nose, strong side tackle that that is athletic and and you know can hold the edge. And hold that pressure and then the backside edge rush, you know, those if you got those three working, plus you got four good linebackers, you know, it's a deadly, deadly system. But uh, you know, on the flip side of the coin, you got the four three where if you have two strong D tackles that are in the middle of it and and they're just you know mauling that O line, there's nothing more beautiful than that. I go back to the <laughs> O six Bears defense, man. That that Bears defense with you know Ted Washington and Keith Trailer, and then you got Erlocker in the middle with Briggs. Holy yep. crap, man! Like that, you know that defense. It, it was just stout. So it, there's there's pros there's pros to both defenses, the three four and the four three. It, it as a strong you know for a strong D line, if you've got the numbers, right, go with a four three. But if you you know if you don't have the numbers, or if, you know if you see that you have the players for a three four, and that's just it. It, it, it all depends oh, on your the type your personnel. Of players you have okay, yeah,
0: yeah. The you, personnel you
1: have. To you know, you have to have the guys for the defense where, you know, so we had, uh, what was that during the Tresman era? I think It was during the Tresman era where, uh, you know, we had four or three guys and they tried to run a three, four, and it just didn't work. And then we started to get three, four guys in and, and, you know, our, the Bears defense over the last few years after Tressman left, you know, it started to flourish a little bit and, you know, they they brought in Fangio and Fangio had his three, four people and, and, you know, he started bringing his three, four players, and and you saw the defense mindset just change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, personnel has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah, you said <clears throat> when you watch NFL, you're paying attention to the line. Now, are there mm-hmm. any professional linemen with exceptional fundamentals or technique that you think young linemen oh, should start watching and learn from?
1: <sighs> um, yeah, man. I mean, defensively, you're looking at Akeem Hicks, you're looking at Aaron Donald, you're looking at J.J. Watt, you're looking at Jadavian Clowney. Von Miller, I mean, they, they classify Von Miller and Cleo Mack as outside linebackers, but, they, you know, yeah, they're coming out. The yeah, they're standing edge. Yeah, they're standing right Exactly. It's that's, that. that's one of the things, you know, that I, that I always talk about. So, I mean, you have those guys, like, you look at those guys that are just phenomenal, phenomenal, technically sound athletes, um, that you look at them, you just see good, solid fundamentals and you see those good, solid techniques and those intricacies that, you know, they stand out. And that, that's what makes those guys so great. And then offensively, I mean, you've got Quentin Nelson, who's a phenomenal, phenomenal guard. I love Quentin Nelson. Uh, you know, you go back and you look at, uh, you know, Andrew Whitworth, um, for the Rams and he played years for the Bengals. You know, he's, he's a great offensive lineman and his technique is phenomenal. You look at, uh, you know, oh man, there's just, there's, there's so many. Ronnie Staley, you know. He he plays for Baltimore. He's a phenomenal offensive lineman to look at and watch. Um, you know, I would argue that Kyle Long. You know, he was injured a lot in his career, but Kyle Long, um, he was a phenomenal guard, phenomenal guard uh, when he was healthy, and, and he was a game changer for the Bears' O line. Um, you know, at center, he, the, I, I, I'm a I'm a old school. Like when I when I think about centers, I think about guys like. You know uh, Matt Burke and Olin Cruz. Olen Oh, Matt Burke. One, man, yeah, I, I know him. Yeah, you. Uh, you know um, Ryan Ryan Khalil. Matt, I forget which Khalil brother was. Uh, was the center out of USC, and he went to Carolina and played at Carolina. You know, another guard you can look at is Greg Newsom.
0: I gotta ask you. Sure. All about how? What about this long snapping process? How how was how that playing <laughs> being a long snapper? I I never met a long snapper.
1: It's uh. It, it, tell me, tell me a little hectic, bit about man. that. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> you think about, you think about any any kicking situation, or you think about uh, uh, punting or whatever. Everything starts with a long snap. If you don't have a good snap, it's not going to be a pretty kick. You know, so if you don't get a good snap, the punter's going. You know, punter has to jump for it, or he's got to move, and now it throws off his timing, and the kick is shanked. You know, you snap the ball a little bit high. So when you think about it and you watch the pros and you watch college, when that ball is snapped, the kicker's moving. So it's simultaneous. Mm-hmm. That ball's coming back to the holder as that kicker's starting his approach. So when that ball gets on the ground, you know, the – the I, I was just pantomiming the holder, like, as I'm doing <laughs> it. As that ball gets <laughs> on the ground, the kicker is already moving towards it. He's one step away. So if that snap is high or off to left or right, it's going to throw off the kicker's timing.
0: Mm, and, yeah, I didn't think of that.
1: the The crazy thing about snapping is there's so many different intricacies with snapping. So you know, we talked about nuances and intricacies with offensive and defensive line. It's even crazier with with long snapping. If your hand, if the backs of your hands aren't completely flexed and facing each other, that ball is going to drift one way or another. Oh, if yeah. you are, if you put if you put pressure through the ground on one <laughs> foot more than the other as you're moving backwards to snap that ball your hips are going to shift slightly and that ball's going to go one way or the other. If you bring that ball to to the left as you're as you're bringing it through, if that ball goes left and now back to the right, that ball's going to the right. If you start it on the right and bring it back to the left, it's going to the left. So there's a lot of different intricacies. You know, are are you bringing your elbows through first and then snapping your wrists and your hands through? You know, are you getting full extension on your hamstrings? Are you short-arming your snap? Are you short um, you know, is the, is the delivery uh, you know, the, the trajectory of the ball, you know, off, there's so many different things that you have to That's, take into consideration.
0: You telling me this, I'm like, I understand. I have a new appreciation for long snappers and all the pressure. Oh dude, it's, that, it's crazy, man. It really is. And it, it, One little with, subtle movement jacking the whole
1: play up. Exactly. That And so, you know, for me, um, I started snapping when I was 10. You know, I, I had, I was fortunate enough to have a coach that knew what he was doing because he snapped in college. And, uh, you know, he taught me how to snap and my, you know, my stance was like super wide and I was playing youth league, so it really didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I got to high school, I really took it on myself to start learning and, and really start perfecting my craft a little bit more. And, and you know, it uh, it kind of opened up some doors to colleges and then they found out that I was, <laughs> I was ridiculously slow. Um, <laughs> I, I Oh man, my, 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 my biomechanical movements were so off in high school that my lifts were were pretty weak i was i was slow you know my squat was okay but it was never the greatest my deadlift was good but uh yeah i was just i was slow in high school so like you know iowa i, I was talking with uh coach parents at iowa in oh five and he didn't even know my name he just called me son <laughs> he, down, he's like, that's what, he goes that's a pretty good snap you got son i said thanks coach he goes he goes uh what's your 40 I was like, I'll give you a great five. <laughs> he, goes, no, he goes, no, really. What's, he goes, what's your forty? Because uh, you know we're in need of a long snapper. And uh, you know Brian was also looked at by Iowa when when we were in high school, and we went to the same high school together, so it was it was kind of fun because we were both kind of looked at there. And then um, I talked with Northern Illinois, I talked with Grand Valley State, I talked with Western Illinois, and it was the same question out of every coach's mouth: What's your forty? Mm-hmm. And you know when I tell people that story, they're like, Well, why do they care about your forty? I'm like long snappers got to run down after the punt. And they're like, Oh man, I never realized that. Yeah. I was, so, man, I, I'm
0: glad you asked. I was definitely going to ask the same question too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was a crazy, um, you know, it was a crazy uh, experience, but they all asked the same question. So I didn't want to walk on, you know, potentially not have the the career that I wanted. And that's why I ultimately right. chose division three because a, I know the class sizes were going to be better for me, and I was going to perform better at school. But B, you know, it was a it was a school that I could play offensive line at, and it was a school that I'd be able to snap at. You know, they were they were able to help develop me, and and going to North Central and they get you know I had my special teams period, which was awesome. So I was actually able to legitimately work on long snapping in practice, which was a lot of fun but yeah, yeah it, it's a, obviously a it great a choice long time worked out for you yeah I, mm-hmm. it did man it was a, it was great man it was probably the best experience of my life was going there but yeah long snapping is a lot of different intricacies <laughs> and that's why you know when you when you look at it and you you see what those dudes are doing it's a little it's a little uh intimidating when you think about hey man at 15 yards which is professional and college snapping 15 yards if you're you know, if you're two to three inches off, that ball is going to travel two to three inches to the right and continue to travel two to three inches to the right on a different trajectory. And that punter is going to have to take that step or two steps to get over and get the ball. It's crazy, man. It's nuts. It's just a couple inches here, a couple inches there could, could mess yeah. it up. <laughs> Let the listeners know
0: where you're at. I know you're out there in LA at the, the Rising fire, uh, camp. Yeah. Is so we're where at the so fire
1: that. in LA. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mentioned Greg earlier in the podcast, uh, quarterback trainer. Um, Greg, like I said, mm-hmm. he, in my opinion, he's one of the best in the nation. I, I love working with him, and his attention to detail is absolutely crazy. Um, he translates everything on the field. So rise. he started Rise of Fire six years ago now, five years ago, so five or six years ago, he started Rise of Fire, and he started it in Chicago, and it started to get some traction nationally. And uh, he, he held one in Orlando, he held one in Dallas, um, and those ones didn't turn out as well as he had hoped, but then um, it started out in L.A. and it gained traction in L.A. So right now the two locations are in L.A. and, and Chicago, mm-hmm. but um, three years ago he brought us in and he was like, dude, because Greg and I have been training together, he messaged me on, on Instagram and was like, hey, what do you think about partnering up? I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> So, um, he brought me in three years ago and he was like, why don't we make rise and fire like our camps? And I was like, perfect. Like our, our group sessions are great. You know, we'll go over technique for about 45 minutes during the group session. And for the last 15 minutes to a half an hour, we'll just go and do some, you know, I'll, we'll give live pressure to the quarterbacks with the offensive and defensive line. And we'll do, we go about, 50, about 75 to 80%. Um, I don't like them going 100% when it comes to one-on-ones just because I want them to A, work on technique and B, I don't right. want them to get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get we'll give like a one on one look and a pass rush look to, um, to the uh, the QBs. So with Rise of Fire, Greg was like, "Dude, let's do that." And then I had the idea because all too often in one on ones, you see that D end, um, you know, go way outside of his gap, or he'll take that inside move yeah, and he, he shoots all the way play, down that yeah. A gap. Exactly. But in one on ones, that counts. That's fine. So what I had the idea of doing was to eliminate that. I'll have a I have a it'll go center guard tackle. So they we're literally half line at the camp. We'll go center guard tackle or we'll just go guard tackle. And if that that guard will set out set outside like he's working a 3 technique or whatever, and he'll set outside to that gap if that defensive end tries to come out of his rush lane well, the guards there to help now to make it a little bit more realistic for the offensive line. Um but yeah, that's the way this whole thing came about. Greg Greg messaged me years back and then we kind of just rolled it into We rolled our group sessions into Rise and Fire, and and it's really worked out for us. You know, Chicago, we get probably 15 to 20 linemen every time. And then um, last year, when we came out, last year was the first year for linemen in L.A., and we came out, and we had a blast. And we only had about eight kids, and now this year we got 10, so we're starting to grow a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it's fun, man. I, I really enjoy it.
0: That's that's excellent. What you guys are doing is great. We appreciate it. We appreciate you coming onto the show, teaching us so much, and our listeners. Dude, I appreciate you. Best interview. It was a lot of fun. Great. (laughs) Thanks, man. I
1: appreciate it. It it was it was fun talking to you guys. Anytime you guys want me back on, I'd be happy to join you.
0: Yes, sir.